0: Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. In this episode, I am so thrilled to be sharing my conversation with Jess. She's a counselor based in Canada and she's a founder of Our Mama Village. And in this episode, we are talking all about teaching our children consent. This conversation, the things that Jess is going to be talking about and teaching us here are so important as it relates to teaching our children ways to honor the boundaries of their bodies, as well as honoring the boundaries of others. With that being said, I also know that some of the things that we will be discussing in this episode might be triggering to some of us based on our own context, our own comfort levels, or our own histories. Following this episode, if you find yourself feeling like, you know what, maybe I could use some more support around my own stuff when it relates to consent then I hope that you will take the step to get that support and I will share a link in the show notes for a resource for you to find a support group or a therapist or some sort of supportive provider in your area. All right, I am so excited to dive into this topic around teaching our children consent with you and with my friend Jess from our Mama Village, so let's dive in. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. jess thank you so much for taking the time to record this with me and to figure out a way to make it work this beautiful saturday morning (laughs) i know that (laughs) i just uh i just fed the baby and my partner's holding down the holding down the fort for me and i i think yours is too so thank you and thank you to the partners for letting us letting us do this today
1: Yes, shout out to the partners for giving us some time, for sure. I'm so excited to be on here today. been a longtime listener to your podcast, and I'm just really, really thrilled to talk about consent.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to cover this topic with you, Jess. So before we dive in and start talking about consent and our children, can you share a little bit about your background and your context, and what brought you to do the work you do and why you started Our Mama Village?
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. So I am a registered psychotherapist. I live in Canada in a little town called Guelph, Ontario. And I started Our Mama Village about three years ago. And the reason that I started it was I had a really challenging experience postpartum after I had my first daughter. I struggled with postpartum anxiety. I didn't know what that was at the time. And just had a challenging transition into new motherhood and Uh, After I went through that transition and I got help and I just started feeling better, I thought as a therapist, I just couldn't believe that there was not more education or support around supporting moms uh, that I knew about before becoming a mom. So I decided to kind of change my focus. I learned all that I could about perinatal mental health, did training in the area, and then started Our Mama Village really as a place for parents to get support on their child's behavior and also on for themselves as parents that was non-judgmental and just a safe space for them to get some support. And I had no idea if anyone would be interested in it or what would happen, uh, but here we are uh, three years later and the community has just really grown and thrived. And I'm just so thankful uh, for all of the parents who who follow me. I mean, there uh, I also are
0: over over 200,000 parents, moms, who are gathering information from you, getting support from each other and from you. It's it's a really beautiful community that you've built there on this little crazy app of Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's amazing.
1: It's so wild to me. It's so wild. 200,000 families that, that follow this page and just the ability that I've had to connect with, with moms and dads and parents all over the world has just been incredible. I'm so thankful for, yeah, this little app and hopefully some good that can come out of social
0: media where I know there can be a lot of challenges as well. Oh, absolutely. And I know that you also have other offerings and resources that you've kind of, built and offered now to this community and i want to make sure that we touch on those here um, in this episode at the end and i'll be sure to include everything in the show notes so that after you listen to this episode and you're like oh my gosh i need to learn more from Jess or i need to join this community that you know exactly where to go to do that and to and to learn more from you and to just be part of your beautiful warm non-judgmental community that you've built Jess it's So it's so incredible. I'm so grateful to have been able to connect with you. And, you know, you live in Canada. I live in San Diego, California. Like in what other world would we be able to connect, become friends as professionals, but also as moms? And I don't know. It's we live in a crazy world. And like you said, Instagram can come with so many challenges, but there's also there's also the beautiful side of it. Right. And these communities, these connections that are built.
1: For sure. Yeah, I feel so honored to have met so many other incredible professionals on this journey who are trying to do the same thing and absolutely love your page and the warm space that you're creating for moms too and your courses. And uh, I just, yeah, I think there can be so much good that comes out of it. So I'm so thankful that we can be connected and uh, and have these hard conversations together in a way that is non-judgmental and really safe for parents.
0: Mm. Okay. So speaking of hard conversations, Jess, let's (laughs) dive in. So we're talking today about consent. And when we say consent, Jess, what are we talking about here, especially in the context of raising little ones?
1: For sure. So when we talk about consent, we are talking about teaching our kids that they have the right to decide who touches their body, who doesn't touch their body. And we're actually talking about more than just my no means no, which is a huge part of consent, but creating a culture of consent in our home where our child knows that their body is respected, that they're the boss of their body. And in doing this, we are decreasing our ch- child's vulnerability to sexual abuse, assault, harassment, and really empowering our kids starting at, a,
0: at an early age. Right. And so, and this is not just to protect them when they're young, but also to set the foundation for when they become adults too, right? For sure. We're setting the foundation for the rest of their life, really. We know in these early
1: years, we have these opportunities to start having these discussions with our kids and it can be done in a really authentic way. And that's what I'm hoping we can talk about today. And in doing this, we can decrease their vulnerability for the rest of their lives. I was kind of talking to you about this before we started the podcast, but I think it might be helpful to talk about this a little more. Before becoming a mom, uh, actually starting in my undergrad degree, I had a professor who uh, saw something in me and said, I think you'd be really interested in doing your research. I was doing some research on this program and it was a program for kids, teaching them body safety and consent. And Mm -hmm. it was actually specific for kids with intellectual disabilities. And I started doing research there. And ever since that time, I've actually been teaching classes to children with intellectual disabilities on consent, body safety, and sexual health. And so this is a huge area of passion for me. And I have been able to see firsthand how important it is to just empower our kids with this information and equip them to help decrease their vulnerability to abuse.
0: Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about... You know, based on age, because someone might be listening, and maybe they have a baby, or maybe they have a mm-hmm. toddler, or maybe they have a preschool or school age child, and they want to. They, they're curious. Like, is is the conversation look different? <laughs> Obviously, if it's a baby and they're not, totally. you know, speaking yet. Like, can you start that young when it comes to helping our children understand consent? And how does it look different as they kind of get older?
1: For sure. Yeah, I think we definitely can be starting with babies. And the way that we talk about it changes as our kids get older. So one of the first things that I would encourage parents to do is just that self-reflection and kind of thinking about your own values and your own, the way that consent was talked about as you were growing up. Because I know one of the biggest concerns for parents is in, in talking about consent, am I taking away my child's innocence? And, am I coming from it from a place of fear or from a place of trying to empower my child? And so doing that reflection and and thinking about how consent feels, how it what it means to you, I, I think that's really, really important first place to start.
0: Mm, yeah, and that can be, I mean that's that can be really long-term work for some of us, right? Um, Or work that is scary to step into or things to reflect on. I know that for myself, um, as a therapist, I've worked with a lot of new moms or parents who as they become parents, all of a sudden start to reflect on their own childhood or mm-hmm. situations or traumas that are now kind of rearing their head as they are becoming parents, and they're um, feeling that that new sense of vulnerability. Um, when you become a parent, it's like you have this extension of you that's out there in the world, right? And mm-hmm. and and this can, you know. There, there can be trauma that we have to kind of go back and and look at and process and understand in different ways in which our own consent wasn't honored, right or the our own ways in which our bodies were violated. And sometimes it's not trauma, but just you know something as um, what seemed as innocent as the fact that like you know my um grandfather never respected the fact that I didn't want to be tickled and like that was his only way of showing affection and i i hated it i dreaded it you know for example um and kind of looking at things like that and and then you know if these people are still in our lives how to um build some of those boundaries right um yeah so some of this some of this work can be can be really important to have a professional kind of support us with and taking that step. So I love that you're naming that here. So before, you know, even before we have the baby or now we have a baby and we're starting to realize that, that sense of vulnerability. um, And now that we're a parent, you're recommending that we do actually our own work first on our Mm -hmm. own sort of um, experiences around consent um, and safety and those sort of, those sort of things as parents ourselves. I love that.
1: For sure. I think that's so much of what we do in parenting is that reflective piece looking back on our own experiences. And I know specifically the topic of consent and body safety is such a big one. And I see moms as well in my private practice that have anxiety. And I, I can see how this really triggers anxiety in parents as well. And when we're yeah. talking about consent with our kids. I do want to come from a place that's not anxious uh, with our kids. And so really doing that deeper work and thinking about our own experiences, although it's really hard, I think is one of the key elements in teaching consent to our children for sure.
0: Yeah. And if someone's listening right now and they're just thinking about that and feeling like how over, like overwhelmed by that idea, I just want to sort of share like right now to that mom or parent who's listening, you don't have to do that alone. Right. No. Like there's like I this is work that I hold space for myself as a therapist. And there are so many providers out there that can hold that space for you and build that mm-hmm. kind of safe space to kind of go dive deep into understanding some of those those experiences or some of those anxieties and fears for you right now. So just let's say I have a ni- I have a nine week old. Is there anything Mm -hmm. I can be doing actually right now with my nine week old to kind of sort of start to build that um, kind of consent, that culture around honoring our bodies and boundaries and consent with my nine week old? Is that possible?
1: Yeah, for sure. So some of the things that I do or I teach with babies who are really young is if I'm talking about a certain body part, it doesn't matter what body part it is to my baby, then I might just label it with the anatomically correct name. And so in doing that, a lot of uh, people that I support feel super uncomfortable uh, saying the anatomically correct names, which, again, we can kind of reflect on why that is. Uh, I know growing up for me, that was not something that was ever talked about. So even just getting used to saying uh, the word penis, which we're now saying on your podcast. uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, we're going there. Um, You know, that that felt uncomfortable for me at first when I started teaching these classes, because Even for me as a therapist, like growing up, that was not a word that was just thrown around in our home. Uh, So, getting comfortable naming anatomically correct body parts and what our kids learn if we start doing this really young and very much just like we would name any other body part, uh, they learn that it's uh, nothing to be ashamed of. We don't need to be ashamed of our body parts, and there's not this this piece of shame around talking about them, which could really help equip them uh, to decrease their vulnerability to abuse. Because if someone were to touch that body part, they don't have shame over telling you about that. Uh, right. So just name, naming their anatomically correct body parts as you're cleaning them and just in very casual way. Uh, something else I would do for smaller babies is try to include them in the process of things like diaper changes. So I also have a little baby at home. I have a six month old and I might say things to her like, I'm going to change your diaper now. I'm not uh, making a huge deal of it, but just letting her know that this is what's going to happen helps her already at a younger age to be included in the process of me touching her body and touching those areas of her body.
0: Right. Right. And you and I both have older children as well. And so Mm -hmm. if we're doing this with our babies, this is also something that is going to be witnessed by our older children as well. so they're there's they're getting a chance to also, be a part of that, right? And to kind of be a witness to naming things with the the correct anatomical name, like using the word vagina um, and, you know, being able for them to be able to witness that, to witness that as we're changing our baby's diapers, that we're including them in the process. I think, um, I imagine it's just sort of reinforcing that in your home, that these are um, things not to be ashamed of, um, but also that you're going to be included in the process, just like your siblings are going to be included in the process when when their body is being touched. In you know when when the parent needs to give them a bath or change their diaper or help them when they're going to the bathroom, those sort of things. Would you Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that modeling that we're doing for our whole family, for our younger kids or for our sorry older kids to see as well is really important. And I, will, I would even model, so my six-month-old now, if she doesn't want to be kissed or cuddled with, she'll start to pull away, and I can see it on her face that she's not interested in that. So yeah. I'd even just say, hey, I see that you don't really want to kiss right now. That's totally fine. Or, oh, it looks like you don't want to be cuddled. I'm just going to place you on the floor with some toys. And I just narrate that out loud. Uh, and that's mostly, I mean, that's for my babies to start doing that in early age but for my older daughter to see too and she'll start to she's starting to pick up on those cues as well because she just wants to cuddle and kiss her sister all the time Yeah. and so when I'm able to model that she's able to notice okay so my sister doesn't want to kiss right now and she's starting to use that same language with her
0: as well oh I love that you brought that up because my six-year-old um he loves his baby sister <laughs> <laughs> He wants to be like all right, all up in her face and he's cuddling her and he's just squeezing her. And for the most part, she loves it. She thinks he is like the most amusing human being mm-hmm. on this planet. But then there's, there's those moments where she's not so into it. And so when, when I say, Oh, it looks like, it sounds like she's actually asking us to not touch her body right now. Right. Or she's mm-hmm. not wanting to cuddle right now. Um, let's, let's, can we let's respect that um he will take it really personally or like seem, he'll sometimes he'll get sensitive about it right and i can see that and there's that part of me who like doesn't want him to feel ashamed or bad about it so in moments like that what are some things that we can say to older siblings to help them understand without making them feel ashamed that they or that that they caused the baby to cry right or that they did something wrong For sure. Yeah. So I think for us,
1: we've had the same thing. My three and a half year old just absolutely loves her sister wishes she could just touch her and kiss her at all times. And also is, is sensitive about those times when she doesn't want to be touched or hugged. And so what I really try and do is just model it for myself as well and say, it's not about you. It's about her. And I'll tell her stories about times when she was a baby and she didn't want to be touched. I find those storytelling moments can be really, really powerful. She, my daughter seems to resonate a lot with when you were a baby, sometimes you would pull your head away and you didn't want to be touched either. And that was totally okay. You have the right to say that you don't want to be touched just like your baby sister. And so I'll I'll try and include her in those stories just to normalize it and make her realize that it's not about her sister or me not wanting her to cuddle her sister, but it's about respect. And when I'm able to show her that it's the same for me. Sometimes my baby doesn't want my kisses or cuddles and that's totally okay. Uh, that, that seems to help a lot as well. Uh, and I also, I try and give her something that she can do. So on our mama village, I talk a lot about the creative. Yes. So I, if she can't cuddle with her, I'll say, why don't you go find her a toy that she might love to look at and play with? Or what if you lay down beside her on the ground and, and explore you know, this little toy together or build a tower together, giving her something she can do to connect with her sister outside of kissing and cuddling seems to be really helpful as well.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's going to be really <laughs> helpful for me the next time because uh, those moments can be hard. Um, oh, and, yeah. and so let's talk about like, when do you, when do you start having the conversation around, um, You know, no means no. other adults, you know, sh- should not be touching your private, par- your private parts, your private areas. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you start having those conversations? Because I know that there is that sort of fear that parents can have of stealing away their, their child's innocence um, by having mm-hmm. those conversations. But gosh, it's so important for, for so many reasons to keep our children safe. And so when do you start having those conversations with your children?
1: For sure. So I think so we talked about babies. So when our babies turn to toddlers, about one to two and a half, some of the things that I might be doing is continuing to model consent. So if you are trying to give them a hug, and they don't want to hug, you just say, Oh, I see you don't want to hug. And use that as an opportunity to show them that no means no. What I'll do around that age, too, is if they're trying to hug or touch their friends. I know my sweet oldest daughter is very, uh, my sweet oldest daughter is very cuddly, and she'll try and hug all of her friends all the time. She loves to give hugs. So I'll start to narrate out loud if she is trying to hug a friend or something like that who doesn't want a hug. So I might say, you know, I noticed Tom said he doesn't want any more hugs. When he says no, we're gonna stop hugging him. Maybe you could give him a high five instead. So so I'll be modeling that language to them as young as one and a half to or yeah, one and a half to two and a half. I'll oh, yeah. say things like, I see the way you're pulling your body away from me. I'll be making sure that I label those body parts. So those are the things I'm focusing on until about there, until about two and a half, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really depends on your child as well and their vocabulary and the way that they can communicate with you. Yeah. By the time they go to school, so I, around three to five before they go to school, Some of the things that I'm focusing on with them is, again, still modeling consent, respecting their no. Uh, Here's a time when I start to teach them, no one can touch your body without you saying yes. If someone tries to touch your body, you say no, you walk or run away, and you tell a a trusted adult what's going on. Uh, And so I teach those steps. I have already taught them to my daughter uh, and again, we don't want to come from a place of fear. So we want to make sure we're really regulated and calm when we're when yes. we're saying this to our kids, because we don't want to come from a place of fear and scaring them, but more factual and empowering them. Right. Uh, around this time as well, I also teach about trusted grown-ups. So I'll I'll say things that trusted grown-ups will never say. Don't tell your parents. They'll never say, you'll get in trouble if you tell anyone what we did. They'll never say, you have to let me touch you. They'll never make you look at pictures that you don't want to see. And they'll never tell anyone, tell you, sorry, to uh, not tell anyone what we did today. And I go over that again in a really calm way. But I think that those are really, really important truths that our kids need to know about the adults in their lives.
0: Right. And so when it comes to the body parts that you're identifying to your children that are like, you know, the parts that other people that, that are the private areas of their body, um, the vagina, the penis, the, their butt, um, are you also talking about their mouth? Is the mouth considered an area that you would consider a private area?
1: For sure. Yeah. So, what I actually look at is well, two different things. First, I like to teach them that actually their whole body is private, yeah. and uh, okay. no one can touch their anywhere on their body without their consent. Oh, uh, right. And so I like to talk about the whole body bi- the whole body as private. And then specifically, yeah, I would label your mouth, uh, vulva and vagina, uh, penis, uh, testicles, and and bum. And I'll label those as well and say, Definitely, if anyone tries to touch those body parts, you need to let us know right away. Right. And a safe, a safe person would never try and touch those body parts uh, at all. And uh, it's good to have that clarification because their whole body is private, but they may choose to hug somebody or to give their grandparents a kiss or something like that. But yeah. those other specific areas of their body, nobody should be touching.
0: Yeah. No. Thank you so much for clarifying that the whole bot their whole body is 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 pri- is theirs right is their private mm-hmm. body and then there's these specific parts of the body that we do want to sort of name for them and using those anatomically correct names for those parts. <clears throat> so yesterday, um, my son, it was time for him to get in the shower, and he didn't want to. And he said to me, "Mom, remember, my, it's my body. My body is my body." <laughs> And your body is your body. And my body does not want to get in the shower right now. (laughs) And so kind of like, and and I I looked at him like, you are something else, kid. (laughs) We've been having lots of consent conversations um, (laughs) lately. And so what about moments like that, right? Like I, um, or or also let's, let's use the doctors, the doc, he had a physical Mm -hmm. recently. And our doctor is really great. And before he checked his body, he said to him, he said, he looked him in his eyes and he said, you know, I'm a doctor and your mom is here and I am an adult and adults should not be touching your body the only reason that I am right now is because your mom is here I'm gonna ask her permission and your permission first and I'm a doctor who's gonna just make sure that your body looks strong and healthy Um, And he like really went into it with him. And my son, I could tell he was kind of getting uncomfortable, but he was like, okay. And then he's like, okay, let's get on with it now. (laughs) But then the doctor asked me for my permission. And I said, okay, you have my permission. And then my son looked at me. He's like, don't say yes. (laughs) Oh man. You know? And so it was and so it, you know we ended up coming to a place that my son did feel comfortable um in terms of you know what felt what felt okay if he, he wanted to be in my arms um and but it it was this sort of situation where i was like you know he told me no, he told me he wasn't comfortable <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know for instance the the doctor visits or getting in the shower or just doing the next mm-hmm. thing right um Sometimes can these moments can turn into it's you know my body my body says no but <laughs> we gotta to do these things right so how do we navigate those moments with our kids?
1: Yeah, totally. I get to ask that question about diaper changes all the time too. Yeah, kids yeah, just Hate having their diaper change, but it's something we have to do. Uh, so two different things. So with a doctor, I do talk about with the kids that I'm teaching and with my own daughter, safe, trusted grown ups. Yeah. And uh, even trusted strangers. So I say the doctor is a stranger because we talk about often, you know, no strangers can touch your body. You're never going to go anywhere with a stranger. We talk about that. Right. Uh, But we talk, we label the doctor as a trusted stranger. And then we clarify exactly what your doctor said. But only if mom or dad are there and it's only us that it's okay with. Uh, only if mom or dad are there. Only if it's in a doctor's office. Only if they're in uni- uniform. So we talk about the, doc- the coats that the doctors wear uh, yeah. because we want to be very, very clear on when it's okay. And then we also label it, and it's to keep you safe and healthy. Yeah. So we we give the rationale behind it. It's not just because the doctor just feels like touching your body, even though you don't want it, want him to. Uh, we're doing it to keep you safe and healthy. Uh, So I really set those boundaries and I'm super clear about those moments uh, because we know sometimes that people who are predators, who are trying to touch our kids inappropriately will try and do it in the form of let's play a game of doctor or let's play a game of this. So we do want to be super clear about why it's okay and when it's okay. Um, So I, I love that your doctor said that. I think that's just perfect. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, no. yeah, and we've had we've had situations with other doctors where they just want to get it over with, and they just sort of like as they're checking their tummy, just do like they pull their they'll pull their pants up and do a quick check without sort of that clarification. And so I've had that experience as well. Um, and would you would you actually recommend like if if parents find themselves feeling like their pediatrician isn't having these conversations or doing this? would you as a parent actually request that they do? Would you, would you voice that for your child?
1: I would. Yeah. I I would have no problem. My pediatrician is great as well, but I would have no problem saying just at the beginning of the time together, even just explaining already what you've, what you've said to your child. So I'd come in and yeah. say, just so you know, we've talked about why the doctor's office is a safe space and it's because I'm here and we are together and it's to keep so-and-so safe and healthy and you're wearing your jacket and I would just narrate all of those things that you've already gone over with your child at the beginning of the doctor's appointment if your doctor doesn't do it
0: yeah I love I love this sort of skill you're talking about of narrating right it's just like telling the story narrating having your child be a witness to that or be a part of that storytelling um I I just, I think it's such, it's such a helpful skill as a parent in so many different ways. I know that both my children, the minute I start sharing with them, like, well, even if it just happened, like a situation that happened with their sibling or with me. And if, if I repeat it back to them as a story, it's the, it captures their attention, but it also helps them process, right? And mm-hmm. it helps them sort of understand the different parts of the experience and gives them a language for how to kind of describe it themselves as well. I love it. I love it. For sure.
1: And I think it's one of the most powerful things we can do in general as a parent, and it definitely applies to this as well.
0: So you talked about safe adults and safe strangers. Tell, mm-hmm. Talk to us about this thing that you've you've described in some of your posts called the high five safety team. What's that? Yes.
1: Yeah. So I have been teaching the high five safety team for years and I have to be honest, I'm not exactly sure if I made it up or where it came from. So I just want to right. throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things you've just been teaching for so long and now I tried to find it online and I couldn't. So if anyone knows where it came from, if it wasn't from me, please, please let me know. Uh, But the high five safety team, I like to think about that your child should know this by the time they go to school. Uh, So the start of school, whether that's preschool or kindergarten, uh, I start teaching this usually around the age three, three and a half, depending on your child. So it's five people that your child knows and trusts and that you, it comes from you as the parent you know and trust and know 100% certain that they are safe people. So you don't want someone on that list that you're like, mm, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we want to make sure that you are certain about all of these people. Uh, you give a name for each of your the finger on your child's hand for someone that they can trust, that they can go to if someone asks them to keep a secret, if someone tries to touch their body without their consent. These people as well, when your child's a little bit younger, might be the people that it's okay to uh, shower your child if you're not there. So I know sometimes I leave my daughter with her grandma, with her grandma and grandpa, and they're safe people. They're my parents. I really trust them. Uh, So they would be on that list. And I might say it's okay for them to help you in the shower or the bath. Uh, So they're the five people that you, you really trust. And it's helpful. Yep. I like the high five visual because your child can remember a finger for each person.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: And they yeah, so they're safe grown-ups. They can help your child with those more private things. And your child knows as they grow up, those are the people that they can go to if if they're ever scared or worried about anything. And it just gives them some options actually outside of you as well if they're whatever yeah. reason not comfortable talking to you. Um yeah. So for example, with our daughter, she has on her high five safety team, myself, my husband, her grandma, her papa, which is my mom and dad, and then my sister-in-law who watches her a lot of the time. And Those are her five wow. people that she can go to and trust. Mm,
0: I love that. I love that. I love the visual of it and I love that it sparks those conversations and because it gives your children options, right? Like mm-hmm. they they may want to, for instance, um, practice sharing something with a, a, your, your parent or grandparent first before they come and talk to you and not because they don't trust you, but just because they needed to practice it first, right? Like practice mm-hmm. sharing that something was going on um and 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 to feel that sense of okay that went okay i can i'm i'm going to go tell my my mom or dad now right and i think that you know because parents are oftentimes the ones that set boundaries or um those sort of things sometimes you know they want to just sort of see how it goes first with someone else that they trust and so i love i love that idea
1: yeah thank you yeah i think it's it's really powerful And something else that's come up a lot in our home and maybe for people who who are listening right now is we actually have some people in our family who are not safe people that they can go to. And what I like about the High Five Safety Team is it's opened up those conversations in a way that's really calm and we're not coming from a place of fear. But we have actually had to have some pretty serious, challenging discussions with my daughter about people who are not safe and uh, family members who are not safe that she actually can't go to and can't trust and if they come she's got to let us know so I think having those that high five safety team does open up those those other discussions in a way that that can be helpful and not from a place of fear and just a factual place with their kids
0: yeah Okay. So speaking of family, right, (laughs) what about these statements, right, that maybe may come from a grandparent or another relative? You know, I don't understand why you teach them that. Parents are so sensitive now. (laughs) They're all coming straight from your Instagram. My post, yeah. (laughs) My kids had to hug their grandparents, and they turned out just fine. Or I'm their grandparent; they should hug me, right? Like, totally. oh, Gosh, these are such hard situations, you know. Um, and I've definitely, I've definitely done the thing where I'm just like, "Go give them a hug," you know. Yeah, come on now, <laughs> <laughs> come on now. And and then I've and then I've also realized how unhelpful that actually is. Um, but, and when Mm -hmm. I do that, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed or embarrassed that my child isn't wanting to hug this person or, or I'm just kind of, it's awkward, right? Um, so I've definitely been there and done that. So if anyone's listening yeah. and they're like, well, I make my kids hug them. Like I do. <laughs> I too. But I, gosh, after reading your posts and, and also just from my own experience of, of seeing like that actually goes against what I'm teaching them about mm-hmm. like respecting their nose and boundaries and consent and, and their bodies being their bodies. Right. Um, and so, oh gosh, what do we do in these situations, Jess? These can be so hard oh the I and you know what again I
1: have been there too and I've even caught myself saying it I'm like oh, just give grandma a kiss for a minute before we go yeah. so yeah no judgment at all if you have done that I teach consent and I've found myself doing that uh so some of the things I always talk about on our mama village is we want to start by kind of getting curious so why is this really important to our parents if if it's something that keeps coming up over and over I know if we think from cultural perspectives, a lot of different cultures really value that hug and that physical affection, or even think of it as a way of respecting their grandparents. So just getting curious about what deeper reasons going on behind your, uh, the grandparents trying to force a hug. Uh, So I like to think about that. And I also like to think about is this a way that my parents or my husband's parents are finding connection with my child? And if that's the case, could I help them explore some other ways to feel connected with my child that my child more appreciates, like playing with wow. them or watching a movie together, that kind of thing. Wow. Uh, then there's just some specific things that you could try and say. So I have a post on this if you want to check it out on my page, but I'll, I'll give you some ideas here. Wow. So if you're, if your parents say, I don't understand why you teach them. They're so parents are so sensitive now. I know that's one that I've heard a lot, even from uh-huh. other parents commenting on my page. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> the the sensitive one is one I hear a lot. So you can just acknowledge, hey, I can imagine it's really hard uh, when there's always new things that parents are learning with every generation. We have something new that we're doing. Uh, you can set a boundary. I know that you want what's best for my kids as well. And I might explain, like, do you want to hear about why this is important for their safety? So if they keep yeah. trying to force a hug every single time, I might just explain to them, this is why it's important. And this is why we're doing this instead of just getting angry and saying, no, she won't hug you. Uh, I like to give some explanation to, to yeah. grandparents as to why. Uh Another thing that you might say, if they say, my kids had to hug their grandparents and they turned out completely fine, uh, that being you, um, (laughs) you might say. (laughs) Uh, I see that you want to be as close to my kids as I was with your parents. and I totally get that. You're a safe and trusted adult to my kids, but that's not always the case for everyone. And I really want them to learn that they can say no. Uh, could we possibly think of a different way to show them that you love them and have that close relationship with them? Mm. So I like, uh, yeah, yeah, There's I really like moments, um, but
0: I love those, uh, I love those ideas, and I love those examples.
1: Yeah, I love adding that that yes at the end, like I was saying before with our own kids, we can use kind of the same thing with our with our parents. Is what can we do instead? Instead of just kind of leaving them to feel like disrespected or um, like they can't have that connected relationship that they want, just really helping them explore it. For me, I find that that's the most helpful thing we can
0: do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, as we're talking about this, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, we're living during a pandemic right now where mm-hmm. we, you know, are having to keep socially distance from our friends and um, from grandparents and these sort of things. And yeah, I was just thinking, I'm like, I wonder how, um, you know, in in the conversation around, you know, we're, we're staying six feet away from grandma right now because we're, you know, we're doing our best to keep everybody safe um, because of Mm. the coronavirus. Um, You know, I think that while we're already starting to have some of these conversations about safety and health and why, why we're doing certain things and have certain boundaries. I mean, these could be opportunities for somebody who hasn't had these conversations with their children to then say, you know, let's talk about other ways in which, um, you know, being, you know, our bodies and touching and boundaries become important, right? Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just sort of thinking there actually may be some more opportunities right now since we're already having these conversations potentially mm-hmm. and having to explain certain things, being able to become a bridge to having these other types of conversations. Uh, do you, could, could you see that being the case?
1: Totally. I, I have really found that to be the case in my house as well with my daughter. We've been having more consent conversations than we've ever had before because we went from uh, not being able to see or hug or touch anyone for four months to, okay, now we're just seeing grandma and grandpa and like one other set of friends. And what does that look like to now things are closing back down again here. So we have to have those conversations again. So yeah, I I think right now is a great time to be having those conversations. It's a great bridge to open up. If you haven't been having those conversations yet uh, you can start anytime. It, It's okay if you didn't start when your kids were babies and you're wondering now, like, oh, there's seven. We haven't had these conversations. That's totally okay. You can start it at any time. And yeah, yeah, I think right now is a great time to do it for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jess, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we had this conversation today. And for anyone who's listening, she did a whole series on consent on her Our Mama Village Instagram account. There, she gives like tangible examples. Here's some. Here's what you can say in response to this. Here's what we can be doing at these different ages. There's a whole post just on tickling, right? Which I know <laughs> someone, maybe someone's rolling their eyes, like, come on, like tickling. But like, <laughs> oh, I, I love. I, I was reading through some of the comments, and so many of the of your followers were sharing their own experiences of how tickling was uncomfortable for them when they were children. Um, and you know, and so I just, I love, I love that you're doing this and that you you had this series. So for anybody who's listening, you can go and see some of these tangible examples, save those posts, right? Screenshot them. And I'll share a link to, um, Jess's Instagram account in the show notes. Jess, where else can people find you? What other offerings do you have? For sure.
1: So I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be released, but I am just putting the finishing touches on my course. It's called Parenting Little Kids with Big Feelings. And we cover so much in this course from adding a new sibling into the family, how to make that a smooth transition, sibling rivalry. We go about how to get curious about behavior and uh, we talk about all sorts of different behaviors that children may have and how to really understand the root causes of them. Uh, We talk about what discipline is and isn't. It's a really comprehensive course. Uh, It's been my third baby, I guess. I've been really working on creating it and cultivating it. And we're about to launch it in two weeks. So I'm really excited. Um, You can check out the course at OurMamaVillage.com. You'll see our courses are listed there. Uh, So please check that out if you're interested in learning more. Uh, Then I'm also on Instagram at OurMamaVillage and uh, you can find me on there. I post a tip every single day and I'd love to have you join our community there.
0: Oh, Jess, thank you so much. And yes, by the time that this episode goes live, your course will be open and available. And so I will be sure to include all of those links in the show notes for anybody who's listening. Jess, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you for coming on the podcast and having this, this conversation with me, especially. Thank you so much
1: thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that we talked about this. I can't wait for parents to get more of this information and
0: just learn more about consent. Thank you, Jess. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified Joyen to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.